This is the, if you weren't here for week one and week two, tonight's the final week of It's Complicated. This is our, um, this is our relationship series we've been going, going through the past two weeks. So let's recap week one, and then we'll recap week two. Week one, I talked about what you consider is what you consume, and I talked about how in relationships you can't just have a glance at someone and then just date them. I told you guys in week one that you have to discern and consider someone. You can't just jump into it and be like, oh, she cute, all right, I'm a dater. You can't just jump into a relationship and think it's going to be all hunky-dory. You need to genuinely discern what type of relationship you're trying to get into because you're playing with your relationship and you're playing with theirs as well. Week two, I talked about red flags. And I talked about how um, in Judges, when when Samson gave his gave his um his riddle to his to his groomsmen, they threatened Delilah, which was going to be his wife. Um and she took that as a she took that as a threat and instead of confiding in her soon to be husband or telling him about what they threatened her with she manipulates Samson and gives up the riddle and that was a huge red flag on on her part to Samson and last week I just talked about how there's a lot of potential red flags and that you might be missing because you're not paying attention because you might be caught up in the lovey-dovey system that is relationships but you have to consider those red flags because if you don't consider them, if you don't see them for what they are, if there's more than usual or some that are worse than regular red flags, then you might have to skiddy out of that relationship. So that was week one and week two, and we're going to start week three, the last week. If you have not listened to any of the messages from the past two weeks, you can go to our Spotify um, all you got to do is type in Youth Life Ministries. It's going to say Jacob Malalso right under it because I am the speaker. It'll say right under. So if you want to go listen to the first two weeks, they are on our Spotify podcast. All right. Judges chapter 15 is where we're going to end this series in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Later on during the wheat harvest... Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. And he said, I'm not going, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her. But her father wouldn't let him in. Truly, I thought you must hate her, her father explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. If you weren't here last week, Part of that context of scripture that we were talking about was because of everything that had happened, her father gave Delilah to his best man, which was a very deceptive task on the father's part. Verse 3, Samson said, This time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. And he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines and burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this, the Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply. Because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. 
So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. The title of tonight for the last part of the series is Deception Equals Disaster. Deception equals disaster. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I pray that it sticks and I pray that it will be able to hear what you're trying to say tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Have any of you ever got food poisoning before? Raise your hand. You don't have to be embarrassed. It's terrible. Especially when you think the food's gonna be really, really good, all of a sudden you got a horrible gut. Either you're having problems with whichever way it comes out, it don't matter. But, But a lot of us, have dealt with something like that where we thought it was going to be good, but it ought, but it ended up being some type of like reaction that you weren't ready for. I remember the time that I had food poisoning. It was it was like like Oriana just said, it was the worst experience I ever had. I remember it was at I forgot which restaurant it was. I was really really young at the time. But I remember the moment, but I don't remember the restaurant. And I remember I was so excited, dude. I'm probably like six or seven years old at the time. I'm like really, really pumped to eat this food. And, and, and I'm, dude, I'm just gobbling it up, bro. I'm just like, I'm excited to eat this food. And then about two hours later, I just feel, I feel like this, this ick inside of me that I'm like, oh, I, I'm probably just, I probably just maybe ate too much or whatever. That wasn't the case. It was, horrific. I, it was to the, man, it was to the point where like, I couldn't even breathe. It was so bad where I couldn't even like, I couldn't even like, like, like it felt like it was in my chest, but like, obviously I threw up the whole night. It was, it was a horrible, how many of you have thrown up from food poisoning? Like it was bad throwing up from food poisoning. Yeah. Oftentimes it feels like it was great, but it was deceived to be horrible because maybe it was a food that somebody made that wasn't good anymore and they just served it regardless. Or they just put it out because they don't want to waste the food. But they all, like there is, there have been restaurants that have been sued because they knew the food they were giving out was expired, but they still served it anyways. Deception is one of the worst experiences in our lives. Nothing's worse than being deceived. Have you ever been deceived before? Whether in a relationship Delilah deceived a lot. Delilah deceived Samson left and right. It came down to the moment of even in her on her wedding day, and it also came to the point where Samson lost his strength. If you didn't, if you haven't read that before, Samson told Delilah that he has one weakness because God gave him supernatural, gave him a very strong strength to where he could he could like he was literally the Hulk like a little bit of a weaker Hulk, but he was a little bit of a weaker Hulk, but he had a strength that only came from God. And he only had one weakness to not have his hair cut, to not have that fresh fade. He couldn't have it. He had to grow out his hair. And Delilah tried to figure out why, because she was giving in. This is what happens. This happens in every relationship too. If you really look at it, this happens in every relationship. She gave in to what her people said, than to the man she was with. She gave in to what her people said, even though she was married to Samson. 
How many times in our life have we seen relationships that they give in to every other word but that person they're in a relationship with? And you might be that person because some of us are like, oh, man, that's a, yeah, you're probably probably right. Every relationship has some type of deception. And maybe it's not on purpose. Maybe it's on an accident. But sometimes some people purposefully deceive because maybe it's something that you've always done all your life to survive or you just naturally do because of the sin in you. Deception, Deception is a scary concept And it's a scary thing to do because you're playing with someone that cares about you. And because they care about you, you see that as weakness. So that weakness of caring comes into as, I can toy with them. I can play with them. Deception, the the biggest deception I learned from this passage that I just read you, is that after all of this work, her father gives her to the best man. But by now you have to be thinking, how does Samson not see everything that's happening as a huge red flag? Samson is choosing a wrong relationship and deception is woven throughout this woman and her father. And that's the question, have you experienced something similar or have you been the person that has deceived someone? Have you been the person that has not been truly honest because you think, because a lot of us think keeping it from them will hurt them less. Or maybe if I'm in it a little bit longer, then it won't hurt them as bad. The longer you're in a relationship, the more hurt it's going to be. The more you play it off, the more you're going to hurt that person. I've been asked multiple times of, I don't want to, I don't want to leave this relationship because I don't want to hurt their feelings because we've been in it for so long or, or whatever. It's like, listen, the more you go on, the more you're going to hurt this person. How much more do you want to stab the wound? How much more do you want to stab this relationship? When you are deceived, it turns into a disaster because, because deception enough already hurts. If you've ever been deceived, you understand that it is a horrible feeling, not because of the disaster that comes from it, but the feeling of being deceived or manipulated or used. And it hurts. It hurts. And the craziest thing is that that's sometimes worse than the disaster. Sometimes that's worse than the disaster after the fact. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. People with integrity walk safely, but those, those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Deception always gets found out. It could be, it could be maybe two years down the line in a relationship, in a dating relationship. It could be 20 years down the line in a marriage. Deception always finds its way out. This message obviously is not just talking about being being honest in your relationships, but you having integrity in general. Listen, guys, y'all are y'all are a young generation that should focus on your integrity. You should be focusing on your integrity. Rather than showing off how, how many friends you have or how many followers you have or how many girls you've been with or how many boys you've been with. Instead of focusing on that, how about we focus on integrity on how the scriptures speak it? 
I'm 25. I am a quarter to 100. Or no, a quarter, I don't know how to say that. I'm, a, I'm already a quarter so far. I'm 25, and I'm learning now that, you know, they say at 25 your brain fully develops. Well, that's bullcrap. I don't think, I don't think my brain's fully developed that fast. I still act dumb sometimes. But the funny thing is about being 25 now is that the stuff that I obsessed over at 15, I don't give a rip about at 25. The stuff that I was obsessed with at an age where it was everywhere, now at 25, I'm like, dude, what was I doing? What was I doing? What was I really focusing on? Just like Oriana said, the stuff that I focus on is, is, is ridiculous. The stuff that I focus on doesn't truly matter. Why? Because if it doesn't involve Jesus, then I shouldn't have to worry about it. I'm not saying you're not going to naturally worry. I'm not saying you're not going to see the winds and the waves that pass. Like Oriana said, you're not just not going to see it. But to the stuff that I focus on now, I'm going to just say this point blank. Some of you are searching for relationships at such a young age that that's not even the point for your life right now. Some of you are seriously like, I need a relationship, I need a relationship, I need a relationship. But the real deception is, is that maybe God is keeping you from it. Because maybe you're not ready. Or that person that God wants you to be with is not ready either. A lot of us need to take a chill pill, right? We need to take a chill pill and allow ourselves or allow God to develop in us what we're supposed to give. Because in a relationship, it's, you're not just going to receive everything. That's another big deception. Another big deception is, is that every, you're going to receive so much out of a relationship. Part of that is true. But if you're just wanting to receive and receive and receive in a relationship, in a girlfriend or in a boyfriend, you are missing the point of the true relationship. I said this last week. I said, who's going to go lower than the other? Who's going to humble themselves more than the other? Who's not going to keep an allowance on that other person's faults? This is obviously for relationships, but for friendships. I talked about this. You have to truly focus on not letting deception become that disaster. You being deceived in everything that in your relationships that you are in. And allowing yourself to see it through. The bottom line is deception always ends in disaster. That's why in Proverbs it says people with integrity walk safely. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, as a teenager, I didn't walk in integrity. I did not. Even when I got up to 19, 20 years old, which was just a couple years ago, I wasn't walking in integrity. I wasn't. I was trying to find a loophole in everything. To where it made it seem like I was doing great, but really I was deceiving myself and I was deceiving everybody else. But the fact of the matter is, is that I feel a lot more at peace walking with integrity. What does integrity mean? Integrity means to be honest with yourself, to walk in truth with yourself and other people. To walk, with, to walk in truth for yourself and other people. Walking in integrity means you have nothing to hide. Integrity means you have nothing to hide. You're walking in true integrity. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 
is going to be verse 9 through 12. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have learned this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or greedy or worship idols or is abusive or drunkard or cheats people. Do not even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. The sad thing is that Christians are doing the complete opposite. A lot of us are judging the unbelievers and accepting anything a Christian does as normal. So a Christian can be sinning rapidly, and everyone's like, oh, they got grace. They, they're good. But then when an unbeliever who does not know Jesus, who does not know salvation, who does not know righteousness, who does not know how to live in freedom, they do whatever they're knowing to do because they know that they're, they don't believe in Jesus. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Why did they do that? Why are they supporting that? Why are they doing That's how the world is supposed to be. That's how the world operates. That's how the world sees stuff. So we judge non-believers for what they are intentionally doing because they don't believe in Jesus. And we're judging Christians and we're not judging and we're not discerning and helping other Christians who are. You want to know who your fake friends are? Your fake friends are people who constantly bat you with, with compliments. Not a single constructive criticism out of their mouth. Not a single correction out of their mouth. Hey, I love you enough to tell you, that's whack. You need to get out of that. That's not That's not for you. It's not of Jesus. It's going to ruin your life. Get out of that. If we would have those types of friends in our lives, we would be living more like Christ. But because we don't have that, we always want people who are going to shasha our lifestyle. Let this be a hard pill to swallow because a lot of us in our life are going down a path who are just taking people for compliments. What does that mean? That's using people. You're only letting people in your life that are just going to compliment who you are and not challenge what you do. The challenge, that's the true deception. I'm going to just say that right there. The true deception is to not, yes, you need the encouragement, y'all. There are times where I need a good pick-me-up from a friend or from my wife or from someone that I trust or someone that I counsel to. I need that. All of us need that. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling like there's no way out, there's somebody in the church to encourage you in that. But to those in here who know what you're doing is wrong, what you know you're doing is not of Jesus. There is no judgment or shame. There has to be change. Change doesn't come from shame and change doesn't come from judgment. It comes from true conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's true. That's truth. Is really realizing that sometimes we're deceived even by our own friendships. Same thing in relationships. If all my wife did was just compliment everything, like she used to compliment my messages and I'm like, no, that was garbage. That, that message was 
That message was a B minus. It wasn't an A plus. I would say C minus. But it, I didn't like the message, and she was just like, oh, my gosh, it was so good. She probably got something out of it, but I did not see in moments like that where I was like, man, because trust me, there were times where I was like, man, this message was really good. She was like, no, you could have worked on this. And I'm like, bro, every time I said it was garbage, you complimented it. And then every time I complimented it, you were like, no, it wasn't good. So the funny thing is, is that I need constructive, I need somebody to tell me what this is wrong about. Not to judge, but to guide me and to tell me, hey, we can't do that. We can't do that. You need relationships in your life that are going to grow you. Let me say this. Compliments can become complacent. Compliments can be extremely comfortable, but criticism grows you. Growth, correction grows you. Maybe you've seen correction as a, as a, as a bad thing. Maybe because you've been corrected harshly or you've been criticized with judgment. But I'm telling you right now, true criticism is saying, hey, I love you. I see great growth in your life. And what you're doing right here, it's not right. It's not for you. God did not, God did not put that in you. That's sin. You have to ask the Lord to take it out of your life. Get it out of your life. That becomes true correction. Deception it always ends in disaster. It causes your life to spiral and the people around you to spiral. So don't associate with anything that has the appearance of evil. Had Samson decided to avoid even the appearance of evil, he would have never been in the situation in the first place. If he would have discerned and saw what was going on with Delilah and her dad. Delilah was given away to another man, and her father cheated Samson. Another sign of an extreme complication in the relationship. And sadly, a lot of believers live that same way. And if we're not careful, we got to be careful not to associate ourselves with anyone who behaves like this. you got to be cautious with people you surround yourself with in your life. Listen to me. Putting up a boundary is not judgment. Putting up, a, putting up something like, this is a no, is not you saying, I hate you. You are protecting you, and you're protecting them. When you have a boundary, and you're saying no to this. I, 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 what they call it, I'm a recovering peaceman. Uh, uh, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Like they, like you have these people, like I, I saw this, I saw this video and this dude said it perfectly and it changed my perspective about people pleasing. People pleasing is sometimes and a lot of times the opposite of narcissism. It's the complete opposite. Narcissism is, is manipulative, assertive, distortion, taking advantage of someone in a sense of, of aggression. That's narcissism. But people-pleasing is just as bad, but on the opposite side. You're friends with people because you want something from them, or you need something from them, or you don't want to lose that relationship even though it's killing you, or you're in that relationship and it's killing you. People-pleasing, it can be just as bad as somebody who's a narcissist. And the challenge is, and what I had to learn was, was that a boundary is not evil. 
putting something up to someone who has either hurt you in your life or have put things in front of you in your life that have bothered you, it's okay to do this. Not because you're putting up a wall and you're just closing yourself off from the world. What you're doing is, is that you're protecting a peace that God gave you. You're protecting a strength that God has applied to your life. God can give, but you can push off. God can easily give you things. Like, for example, God can give you peace, but sometimes our anxious moments sometimes comes from us, either thinking about something or doing something or even experiencing something. We can't say God gave us a fake or a, a great value peace. Like we can't just say that. God gives us the genuine peace. We have a responsibility to take care of it. I used to say this during the summer that we have to be good stewards of God's presence. If God's giving us his presence so that we can experience him, we have to be good stewards of it. We can't just take it and then take advantage of it or leave it alone or put it on the shelf. It's the same thing with peace. It's the same thing with joy. That is your responsibility after God gave it to you. You can't just say, God, where's the peace when he gave it to you? And then you go on your social media and now you're anxious. Or you got into that conversation, that conflicting conversation, when you couldn't have. You didn't have to. But you did anyways, and now you have anxiety. Oftentimes, when God gives us something, we got to be a good steward of it. And we miss it every time when we think that God gave us maybe an artificial peace or an artificial joy. When really he gave us the authentic thing, but we decide to give it away. We have a responsibility and we got to be good stewards of it. There's an old, old age saying, and we all know this saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who you associate with relationally can make, make you or break you and can have major repercussions on the direction of your life. This is very true, very profound. Anyone you have in your life is going to project you into your future. You can have God and bad friends and still have a weird projection of your future. You can still have God in toxic relationships and have a very weird future. But in this moment, as a young person, you have the opportunity right now at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, to project your life the way God intended it. You have that opportunity now. You have every opportunity to project it the way God wants to project it. How do you do that? You find true Bible-believing Christian people who value you. Don't just, don't just be friends with or date a Bible thump. And they don't love you. And they don't appreciate you. And they don't care about you. You have to truly find real friendships, real relationships that pull you towards Jesus. Not just towards everywhere and, and everywhere about. The application I want to tell you tonight, coming from what Samson's experience, and even throughout this series, this is what you have to realize. This is what Samson, I believe, had to realize as well. The application is associate yourself in the right relationships. We live in a world, you, you, we live in a world where culture overthrows Christ sometimes. And that's an issue. That is a problem. Yes, we might have our own type of culture. Or they'll say, like, do it for the culture. Do it for this, do it for that. 
when you start putting culture and rejecting Jesus and putting that at the forefront of your life, you start to lose the true meaning of who Jesus is. You start to go by what everybody else tells you because I'm going to be honest with you, you, even you as a teenager, you can think for yourself and you can talk for yourself. And the issue is, is that we are so brainwashed sometimes by the culture that we can't truly think the way we want to think of what Christ wants us to believe or what we want to believe. You have to truly live in a, how do I say this? You have to think for yourself. You have to think upon the fact that you got to search the scripture for yourself. You have to find Jesus for yourself. I can preach to you till I'm purple. I can preach to you till I sweat through a thousand t-shirts. And you will never truly hear the word. Until you truly go into it for yourself. You have to truly go into it for yourself for you to truly see what the truth is. And question it. The issue and the scary thing, and this is in the Christian culture, that we're too afraid to study, that we can't ask questions about the Bible, or we can't ask questions about God. Why did God do this? Why did God do that? We are so afraid to ask those questions that we're like, no, well, what if, what if that shows to not be true? Well, you don't know that. Why don't you dig in it and find it for yourself? I didn't want to follow Jesus just because I had to. I didn't want to follow Jesus because I was hoodwinked by my parents or by the church. I had to truly look into it for myself and to see, is Jesus the real deal? The answer to that, you have to find out. But Jacob, you, you did it. Do you, you, you know the answer? No, I, I'm not going to tell you the answer. Because that's for you to find out. And it's the same thing in relationships. You can think for yourself in a relationship. You don't have to go by what people are telling you who to date and who not to date. Some people just do that because they just want to be in control of something else that they can't even be in control of. So you got to control you and see where God's taking you in a relationship. You can't just focus on every other person's voice. You have to truly rely on God's voice and the people that you can truly trust with the things. Relationships can be extremely complicated. But the fact of the matter is, they can be complicated, but they can work. It, like I said the past two weeks, if you're looking for a great, perfect, hunky-dory relationship, you will never get in a relationship. You will never be married. Maybe that means you got to be single. That could be it. Maybe you're just called to... Be a single Pringle, and you're not supposed to date or marry anyone if you're thinking everything has to be perfect. Because that other person you're going to date is going to have an opinion, an experience, a perspective that on the other end, you got to listen, even if you don't agree. Trust me, dating for two years and then getting married, I understand what that is. And what I have learned, that you cannot see things work pointing the finger. A big, a big deception is, is that one has to be right, one has to be wrong. 
That's not the case in, in a marriage or a relationship. Yes, one will be wrong for sure, and one will be right for sure. That's, yeah, there's facts to that. But the real, but what happens is, is that when you go with facts, I said this, uh, I think last week or the week before, when you have facts, but you don't have connection, the relationship breaks. When you just have, oh, they were right and uh, they were right and I was wrong, or I was right and they were wrong, but then there's no true connection. What do I mean by that? You can't just be pointing the finger. Y'all got to come together. I've always, I've always done that where like if I was in a profuse argument with my wife, I would hold her hand. And the reason why I would do that is because to tell her, even though one of us might be right or one of us might be wrong, I'm still connected with you. I still love you. I still want this to work. I still want to see our marriage flourish. I still want to see this happen. And it's the same thing in your relationships. And look, I'm going to just be honest. I'm just going to be brutally, I'm going to keep it a buck. Us, for us as guys, we have a difficult time doing this. We have a difficult time doing this. And I'm not saying you're going to get it right every time. Trust me. My ego gets in the way every time me and Sarah have a, call, have a talk. But I'm telling you right now, you have to truly change yourself. And it's the same thing on the other side. It's the same thing on the other side. For you ladies, you have to have respect for that man, for that person. I'm not saying you got to bow at his feet. That's not the case. Sarah doesn't bow at my feet. What our goal is, is that we both bow at the feet of Jesus and we decide what does Jesus want? If if God's not center of the relationship, the relationship crumbles. You can make it work for a time. But if Jesus is not that forefront, if Jesus isn't the first lover out of the one that you have, then the relationship's going to crumble. And I've, and I've heard this before, and I've said this before. Just with the Holy Spirit, just with the fruits of the Spirit, it's a hard relationship. It's not easy. It's difficult. Imagine people who don't have the Holy Spirit. People who don't have gentleness, kindness, self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. Imagine those who don't have it. How difficult it is. So the challenge from this series, I know some of you have missed it. If you can, go back and listen to it if you, if you have the time. If you're stuck in a complicated relationship, it's time that we checked our associations. Who are the people closest to you and what do their lives and actions look like? Maybe you felt deceived and trapped in an unhealthy relationship. Don't be around anything that has the appearance of evil. Tonight, your goal is to surrender those relationships to God and choose to seek the right relationship. Relationships are complicated in general, but these types of complicated relationships I talked about the past three weeks are relationships you got to be careful of, and you have to get out of those. Because those types of relationships are going to destroy your walk with God and is going, is going to destroy even you, just your sanity. I've seen relationships throughout my life, whether from people that I counsel, people of my close friends, and I've seen relationships go down the spiral and they are permanently marked by it because of how much trauma they went through because they decided not to say no and get out of there. So my goal in this series to end this tonight is to tell you that the relationships that you're in, the friendships that you're in, 
And obviously, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, projects your life. It's not just about the looks. It's not just about the lovey-dovey butterflyness. It's about the projection of your life. I'm 25, and I'm telling you this now like I'm 40 or 50. I sound like a parent. But what I'm saying is, is that now being neck deep into it, I, like, so actually it's funny because uh, this weekend marks a whole year that me and Sarah were married. And we're about to celebrate that. And the crazy thing, oh, thank you. So the crazy thing about that, thank you. One year, ain't that bad. We got a bunch more to go. Um, but after being in it in just one year, what I'm telling you is not just, not just experience. I'm telling you what I've learned from scripture on how to handle this relationship. And it's the same thing for you in your life. Sometimes you're going to disagree on certain things. Sometimes you're going to have bumps in the road in a relationship. But the goal is, is that if Christ is center and put for, and, and in the forefront of your relationship, in your life, it's going to thrive. And your relationships are going to thrive. And your relationship with God's going to thrive. And your life's going to thrive. Everything will thrive. But it's not until you look at a complicated relationship and go, okay, should I stay? Should I stay in this? Or should I walk out of it? Relationships are complicated. But the ones that are the most complicated, the ones that you can discern, it's like, no, I can't do this. You have to run. You have to walk away. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we close tonight, I want to pray over you. And one of the major things is that some of us, some of us really, maybe we're not in the relationship because we're just not willing to say no. Maybe because some of us are, some of us genuinely care about people. Some of us in this room genuinely care about people. And it's causing a lot of... It's almost, it's almost like you're not just trying to people please to get something out of it. You just genuinely care. And maybe the enemy's using that person to, to destroy you. Or maybe you've been in a relationship where you're like, was I taken advantage of? The truth is you gotta be truthful to yourself and say, maybe it was. But the beauty of learning how to be in a relationship now compared to how you were back then is to truly see God, you know what's best for me. I gotta stop picking. Lord, you know what's best for me. I have to stop pushing my agenda of what I think I need or who I want and give that to you. So in this moment, some of us in this room have this heaviness of, I've been in relationships that were horrible. I was taken advantage of. I felt like I felt like I wasn't as important as I made it out to be. That I put more into it than they did. Or maybe maybe you just have friendships that are not gearing you towards the right place. And that it's pushing you farther away from 
it's putting you maybe in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship that's just not working. In this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to take a moment and ask the Lord, Lord, I need you in my relationships. Lord, number one, I need you. And number two, Lord, help me to find right relationships that might be complicated some of the time, but not every time. Relationships shouldn't be complicated all the time. There's bumps in the road, but it should never be complicated. Not all the time. Ask the Lord to give you a fresh revelation. Or maybe some of you in this room have dealt in a relationship and you've been wounded by this person or you've been you've been you've been traumatized by the relationship that you were in i just want you to ask the lord to heal you because the bible does say that he is close to those who are crushed in spirit he is close to those who are broken hearted So if that's you, just ask the Lord right now. Just, just focus upon him and ask him, Lord, I need you to heal this part of me that has been destroyed. Lord, I need healing in this area that I have been destroyed. allow the Lord to comfort you in this moment. Allow the Lord to truly comfort your heart right now and to heal that part of you that maybe you've held up for too long. Ask the Lord to heal. about it just for an Instagram post, but they don't talk about him the way you want to talk about him or the way you want to dive deep. Ask the Lord to just show you how to find the right friendships that see you for who you are and are willing to walk with you as Christ wants to walk with you. Find friends that want to see you grow. Find friends that want to see you flourish in the calling God has for you or in a relationship that God has for you. Find those people. Stop sticking to those who do not care. Stop sticking to those who genuinely do not have the best advice or the best intention in mind. Father, I ask that you would help us find the right people. Not just for the comfort of affirmation, but for the, but for the pain of growth. 
Because, Lord, growth can sometimes be painful and sometimes we might get offended by a correction. But, Lord, I pray that it would stir us to grow. You can't grow if you stay still. So, Father, I ask, I ask, Lord, that you would just give us a growing period. That, Lord, for some of us that are wanting to be in a relationship, that are wanting to date someone, I pray, Lord, that we would continue to grow and stop searching. Because, Lord, if it's not of you, it does not work. We don't want it. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus. You have to be all in or all out. So Lord, I pray that our, our relationships would become simple. That our relationships would become, would not just become, not just plain or boring, but Lord, let them be at peace. Maybe all you've known was hectic relationships. Maybe all you've known all your life since you were a kid was chaos. But I pray that the Lord would show you a new way of simple. The Lord would give you right relationships that will that will birth in you a new reality that is Him. That it is Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for what you're doing and what you're about to do. And through our relationships and through our friendships, Lord, I pray that you would continue to show us who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.